listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. The bonus hour of Miller and Moulton on this first Tuesday in February. It is Super Bowl 57 week in Phoenix. Pat Kerwin joins us live from the desert southwest. He of NFL Radio's Moving the Chain, CBS's NFL Today show. Pat joins us courtesy of Pinchers, over a dozen locations throughout Southwest Florida, Tampa to Key West, lots of points in between Pinchers, because you can't fake fresh. Good morning, Pat. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to see you guys. And I was enjoying the curling contest that was going on there and didn't know you were a catcher until you told me mask, no helmet. I got, I wrote that down. Mark. (laughs) Who said he was looking for eight guys that love curling? I'm one of them, Mark. So we're down to seven. Um, and I wish we were on a team, maybe at the Hertz Arena, playing on Wednesday nights. That the whole time you were talking, I was fantasizing that. I go, I can just see our curling jerseys. I'd put you in charge of our uniforms. Can't even imagine what you'd come up with, but it'd be good. Oh, I'm pretty plain. I like Alabama and Penn State. Penn State, Pat. I I wouldn't be too nuts with uniforms. I'm I'm old school when it comes to uni. So I don't think you'd have any problem with what I'd get you. Well, it's funny you say that. Penn State, when Billy O'Brien took over there, he put the names of the players on their jerseys. And Mrs. Paterno came to his office and said, you know, Joe didn't do that. And then (laughs) I think he underlined them after that. (laughs) Uh, So what's the vibe, quite frankly? I know you're busy at work. You grab as many interviews as you can when you can grab them, whether it be with people associated with the team or all the celebrities that come into town, which probably begins tomorrow. But just what's the vibe? I'm glad you asked that question. So when I got off the plane on Sunday from Mobile, uh, I decided to count from the airport uh, to the hotel every jersey I saw on someone. That would be the first vibe I'd get. And it was about 60, 58 Eagle jerseys and about five Kansas City jerseys. That was the first vibe I got. And that continued as I walked over to the arena last night and yesterday for the show. It's just Eagle fans everywhere. And the crowd will be a Philadelphia crowd. Does that make a difference? um, Well, it made a difference when um, Pittsburgh beat Seattle in Detroit, if you recall. That was a full-blown Steeler home game. And last night at the arena, when they do the introductions and it's big interview night and all that, they booed, the crowd booed Mahomes. That gave me the first sense of, I was right from the beginning, that it's an Eagle home crowd here. So, going to be a big, heavy green wave in there. So, who have you talked to so far? Yeah, it's a great list, and we had a lot of fun doing it. I had, in in order, Clark Hunt, uh, Andy Reid, Nick Sirianni, Brett Veach, Pat Mahomes, Chris Jones, Isaiah Pacheco, Miles Sanders, Brandon Graham, and Spags. Between the two coaches, Pat, because I've listened to so many of your interviews over the years with coaches, and they're not obviously the normal coaches' interviews. You guys get into football. You get into it quickly. There's no fluff. It's X's and O's, and coaches like that. But Super Bowl week... I'm guessing coaches don't want to talk as much as Vex and O. So how were the coaches yesterday? Um, 
Well, they're both, I've interviewed Andy a lot because he's in these kind of things quite a bit. Um, Andy was pretty open about his football team and kind of proud that they built a running game, which was Pacheco. It led me back to Pacheco with him. And um, I think he needed to see a back like Pacheco. And I think last year in the championship game when they lost to Cincinnati and they didn't run the ball against three-man rush, I think he made an off-season commitment to it. And I think he likes that he's got some balance in the offense. He also likes, and I asked him what he does with his buys, because this is another buy, and the guy is world famous for being successful off a of buy. And he says, I like to add stuff. And I don't feel like, in the, you know, everyone likes to say at this thing, I put everything in last week, and now we have a little dry rehearsal. I think the guy's still putting stuff in. When I got to Mahomes, he verified that. He goes, oh, no, no, Andy's got a lot of stuff. We, we all come to practice thing, and there'll be another wrinkle in it. So the guy is doing that, and it was honestly talking about it. Um, Sirianni was way more relaxed than I thought he'd be. I thought he'd be kind of like looking to get out of his room as fast as he had to. Uh, he stuck around and we talked quite a bit about his football team and what he likes about them. Uh, he recognized their power run team and he's got three backs and he plans on using all three of them. So what you have really is one coach who professes to be a passing coach with a little sprinkle of run game. And the other guy's a heavy run team with a little sprinkle of passing game. I think I think of all the guys I talked to on on the, you know, the techniques of football and everything else. I think Spags was the best. He said, "Our job is to get the third and more than three because when they get the third and two or three, they just treat it like second down and run again." Most teams in this league would not do that because that's what they're going to do, and then you never get them off the field. Pat, how much, if at all, do you think? not just coaching, but experienced Super Bowl coaching could matter Sunday. I mean, there are, there are times in which, you know, Doug Peterson and his staff obviously had the Eagles prepared six seasons ago or five seasons ago, and, you know, they played a great game and they beat Belichick and his staff. But then again, we also saw Belichick, what was it, a year later, just kind of teach McVay how to coach in a big game. And so I'm, there's a part of me that wonders if Andy Reid is the second greatest coach of his generation, which he is, doesn't it have to show Sunday? Yeah, it does. Uh, I'm with you on experience. And, and it doesn't end with Andy. Spags has been in a lot of Super Bowls. Yeah, what's his four? He beat the Patriots twice right. uh, as the Giants uh, guy. So he knows... He learned a lot during the first giant one. I've talked to him about that. You know, a lot of coaches get tight. And he said, I even was getting ready to play zone against Brady in the game down there in Jacksonville. And then Strahan told him, blitz. We've been blitzing all day. Keep blitzing. So now he's not afraid to do that. Plus, they have a lot more players that have been in the Super Bowl uh, than uh, Philadelphia. So, you know, Sue and a couple guys. But on the other side, I think there's 17 of them. And they have definitely preached to the youngsters. And there's a lot of young ones in Kansas City in that secondary. Uh, so I do think experience matters. Uh, in the tight moments, I think the whole thing about, oh, the half time's long, and all, they all figure that part out. Nick told me he's already talked to a number of coaches that have been in it. Uh, but, but I do think it's a factor. And it'll come forward if there's critical issues and there's challenges and things like that. You know, Nick, Nick gets caught up a little bit in the game. If you watch him, he's pretty animated. He, he said, look, thank God I have a quarterback that's not animated because it offsets me. 
So if he's going to run the emotional card out, that's the way he likes to coach. That can catch up to him in a game like this. Andy is pretty calm over there, and I think he's been in this one enough that I think it is a factor. When you talk to Andy Reid and he talks about the running game he's established, do you believe he's going to use it, Pat? Because at the end of the day, they like to throw it first. So do you believe that there will be any type of oh, 60-40 distribution from pass to run with him? No. I think his definition of running the ball is 25%. So, and he's pretty proud of that. It's, you know, he's not like that. And you go look at Mahomes. At this point I made yesterday, Philadelphia scores more points in the first half than anybody in the league. They just crank it out. They score 18 points in the first half. They've gone to the locker room 10 times with a double-digit lead. But who's he up against? He's up against Mahomes, who's thrown more first-quarter touchdowns, a little bit of stat stuff here, nine of them, in the first quarter. And we all remember Andy coming out of Green Bay with a card, a script card, running the first 10 plays. He really has a great sense of the opponent. And I say this, when Andy watches film, he sees passing answers to everything he's looking at. He sees a certain front, he sees a passing answer. He sees a certain coverage, he's got a passing answer. And he recognizes that Mahomes he couldn't wait to tell me that Mahomes on that late run the other night when he got knocked out of bounds and the, and the flag was thrown, that they had – they this is he goes, there's my quarterback with the bad ankle, and he recorded 18.3 miles per hour on that run, which was his fastest run ever recorded. So he goes, they, they care about – and he believes that Patrick is in pretty good shape. Patrick looked great last night walking around with us. Not that that tells the tale, but no, he's a throwing coach. The other guys are running, Coach. Yeah, but the Eagles have a really good secondary. I mean, they even have a good nickel corner. You know, I, I like their safeties who have gotten better as the year goes on. I mean, the moves that they made in their secondary, never mind, during the season on the D-line. I, Pat, I'm wondering, I mean, with the rules nowadays, I know you can throw on anybody, and Mahomes is as gifted as there's ever been, but there aren't many pass defenses better than Philly when it's like third and six, third and seven in the league, is there? No. So there's, there's Mahomes when he had Tyreek Hill, and he was a deep shot guy, and Hill could defy all those coverages. No matter who was back there, he could run by him. So they don't have him. So they become a dink and dunk passing team. They don't throw deep very much. What they're going to do if they're going to be successful is Patrick's going to get outside the pocket and recreate the play. Now – all those coverages with those good guys, I've got to latch on to people. And look, we all know who he's looking for all the time, Travis. But that's it, that's the passing game for him. Uh, you no, know, if it comes if it comes down to Jalen having to throw, uh, get ready because here comes. That's the other thing. The difference is one guy's a four man rush, Philadelphia. They're not going to blitz. The other guy's going to blitz all the time. He's going to come after him. Remember last year's game, Kansas City versus Philadelphia. Spags told me he'd called 17 blitzes in the game. He got a couple of sacks, tons of hits on the quarterback, lots of hurries. So that's what he's going to do. If he can get him to third and four, he's going to blitz him. And he's probably going to blitz the run too. So I think that's what we're waiting for. But Mahomes has recreated. Go look at his comebacks, his fourth quarter comebacks. He's not even close here when you start talking about these two quarterbacks. 
We got less than a minute before this segment's up, Pat. But when you look at Hertz, then if he's going to get blitzed that much, is it more play action? Is it more dive runs? How do you how do you avoid that if you know it's coming? Well, first, if they they like to be an RPO team, they, they, you know they've made a living on the RPO stuff. And, and look, they got three running backs, uh, and you see some of the big runs they had even last week off the left side behind Malata and those guys, pretty impressive. And some gash runs where they got to the end zone almost untouched. Um, Spags is a zone dog blitzer too. Like he will, he will come after the run game with pressure. He's Pat Kerwin, NFL radio is moving the chain, CBS sports, the NFL today show and Pat's weekly appearances are brought to you by pinchers with locations from Tampa to key West and all points in between pinchers where you can't fake fresh more with Pat coming up on the other side. We'll even take your questions. Text them to us at 21,000. More with Pat Kerwin next on the Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Bonus hour of Miller and Moulton on this first Tuesday of February at a Super Bowl 57 week. And Pat Kerwin joins us live from Phoenix. He of NFL Radio's Moving the Chains and CBS's NFL Today show. Pat joining us courtesy of Pinchers, Tampa to Key West, over a dozen locations in between Pinchers because you can't fake fresh. Mark said during the break we would take questions from those of you listening, whether it's the Twitch chat room or the text line. Uh Pat, one question was Eagles wide receivers versus Chiefs secondary. Can Hurts and the Eagles take advantage of the apparent advantage? Yeah, well, those are four rookies back there. When I was standing on the sideline in a Kansas City-Cincinnati game, I looked out and I saw four rookies in the secondary. Um, so, yes, they can. You know, Brown is a big-time factor here. And the other guy, Devontae, is going to try to strike you deep. So, yeah, they can if they can get the time to throw the ball. And that's what I think, you know, that's Spags' way. He's going to try to interrupt the thrower and hold on for dear life with the receivers. I know you can't stop Kelsey. How would you defend Kelsey? You know, we've had this discussion a lot on this show and everywhere else. And everyone says, well, you should be jamming him. Well, apparently he's hard to jam because no one ever jams him. Uh, he runs a lot of delay routes now. Last week against the Bengals, there was a lot of delay routes, and he's pretty tricky on what he does. He looks like he's really blocking, and then he'll slip under the tackle. He'll do a lot of different things to get out from under it. I think the way the guy became great was to figure out how to get off the line of scrimmage, whether it's late and slow or early and fast. And then he's wired in, and Andy said this relationship with Mahomes started right away when they when they were together and he goes it's kind of uncanny they know where each other is going to be there's a lot of ad lib plays and he's not a th- and patrick as you both know he's not afraid to throw back across his body to kelsey and that's kind of like okay once the quarterback starts to break contain someone's coming out of coverage to try to pull him up and that guy's usually inside out doing that and next thing you see is kelsey getting a little throwback inside so they got all that going on. And then how would I cover him? I think you got to have a two-man principle almost all the time. And maybe one guy's carrying him, so he's underneath them, and the other guy's behind him. 
and you're trying to play it kind of a squeeze. We used to call that cutting off, cut Y or something like that, which is what we'd call it. I think that's the only way because my original theory was jam them. And, and since no one ever does, I think I'd give up trying that. Yeah, it's funny. They talk about uh, spying on quarterbacks. I would always essentially have my defender spying Kelsey. Like I wouldn't, when he stays in pretending to block or actually blocking for two seconds, I wouldn't then leave him and drop off. Because like you said, Pat, that's when he then slides out and becomes the check down and moves the chains and what have you. I, I would just, you know how in basketball, your job is him. You follow him. You don't even look at the ball. You just, you follow him. That's how I, honestly, I would defend Kelsey. Whoever it is, is my defender. I'd be like, don't worry about anything else but 87. Right. And don't drop into coverage. Right. So we used to call a green dog in the back. So when, when a guy, we had a, uh, let's say I had man to man on you, David. And as soon as you set the block, we blitzed you. And we told you, you're not here to sack the quarterback. You're here to snatch the running back and bull rush him, but never let go of him. So if Kelsey ever starts to block or to, for his slow release stuff, bull rush him, put two hands on him and don't let go of him and start power rushing him, really not to get to the quarterback, but to prevent him from going out. We, they should be trying that. Well, there's no doubt because those tight end screens that they run over the middle are lethal. And obviously the, the, the delayed routes that you talked about, Pat, is, is where he's getting a bunch of yards. But that, that tight end screen, I mean, I've seen that be as effective as any screen pass I've ever with any running back that that's running the league. Well, he does one other thing. Now they, they look, they've run a lot of 12 personnel, two tight ends in the game. Noah Gray goes in the game. He was in the game for 44 plays last week. That's all that you have to know that they're going to run two tight ends. What they do now, which is pretty clever on their part is they'll shift Travis off the line. So he's in the tight end spot next to the tackle, but he's off the line of scrimmage. And then he goes out the opposite side. Sometimes he's kicking out the end for the run game, and the next time he's slipping out into the flat. So that's the, you know, they can't sit here and just accept how we're going to cover him. So when he's off the line of scrimmage right next to the tackle, be ready for like some kind of route opposite, which is old West Coast from Andy's days in Green Bay. Uh, Just some other NFL news. Uh, Sean Payton. Uh, apparently it was news to him that Russell Wilson had his own like a uh, little, little staff, but just obviously Sean setting the tone publicly even. Okay. With the Broncos and with the rest of the team as to how it is, I'm going to handle the quarterback. How important do you think that was? Significant. Um, Russell has to be returned to the locker room as a real player. And that's all. And if he's got to be humbled in order to do it, he built first off, it's Denver's fault. They gave him an office and all that nonsense. That's all got to go. Drew Brees is going to the hall of fame. I don't think he ever had an office. So, and Russell, I think needs and wants to be helped. He doesn't want to play and be embarrassed about his own performance. Like he was last year. And I'm glad I'm not real happy that Sean took that job, but I'm glad they got a, a head coach that has the cred to just tell Russell, yeah, get back down to the locker room and be part of the team. These two jobs that are left, Pat, I mean, they're taking their sweet time. How much is this costing them by waiting so long? Well, they apparently knew they were never getting Sean Payton or, or any of the other guys. So uh, a couple things. I don't think Saturday is going to get the job there. And I, 
you know, I talked to Lou Anarumo. He's in the final two, I believe, in Arizona. I hope they don't reopen this um, to do something. So I do think Arizona might get their guy done. Here's the NFL policy. You guys know this, but for your listeners, they don't want anything done during Super Bowl week. <laughs> they want the whole focus on the game. I, I don't know that I would pay attention to that. They, they get mad, so what? If I was ready to hire my guy, if I ever thought that the Colts might be looking at the same guy I'm looking at, I'd go hire my coach. But usually they quiet down, and the day or two after the Super Bowl, they announce their coach. Listen, teams oftentimes do the opposite of their previous move. I mean, doesn't that right. bode well for, you know, Anarumo there? Because Mike Kafka is reportedly the other candidate. I, I mean, his resume is about as thick as Kingsbury's was. And, you know, Lou, obviously, the other side of the ball and, and what have you. I would think that that's where Arizona's going. Uh, I would, too. Uh, and I know Lou very well. I've known him a long time. Actually, I coached against him a long time ago when we were in college. But... Lou, first off, you're not going to have Kyler Murray for a while, but he's got to be managed. So the problem is, who are you bringing as your offensive coordinator, Lou? That that would be the question and the most important question. Who's going to manage that quarterback? And conversely, if you if you go in the other direction with Kafka. Now, Kafka's getting the endorsement, I guarantee, of Andy Reid. He was the guy that got full credit for developing Mahomes in, the, in that rookie season when he didn't play. Brad Childress told us that I think Mark and I were sitting with them at a game, but he told me that Kafka had Mahomes every day by himself every morning at six o'clock, six to seven thirty that whole year, and really was the one who was pushing Mahomes along. So he's got, if you think about that as it relates to Kyler Murray, it's an interesting uh, opportunity there. So look, it's not a very good job. <laughs> no, uh, they're they're going to lose for a couple of years. There's no question. But the well, franchise fire the coach after that three. Their franchise's success certainly depends on uh, making Kyler Murray all he can be. Pat, uh, we appreciate you waking up with us, and um, don't know what the week has in store for the three of us. But be safe. Uh, do the 114 interviews you got lined up, and uh, we'll be listening. I miss you guys at Radio Row. I used to enjoy that opportunities we used to have there you better get back over here we miss us at radio row yeah. yeah yeah i remember doing an interview with you guys one time and mike irvin came by and kissed me on the top of my head <laughs> <laughs> we remember it as well uh pat Kerwin, kind enough to join us once again here on miller and molten good bad and ugly what's on tap today was the day when coming up Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes until the top of the hour. Seventeen until we're out of here. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Andy Staples, Seth Everett, amongst those that will join us on the show tomorrow. Andy. One with Bruce Feldman just penned a long piece detailing the specifics of the Jaden Rashada mess with the Gator Collective and why that deal fell through, etc. Talk a little college football, but specifically that story with Andy tomorrow and Seth with his weekly appearance. If you missed any part of the show, 
pretty good one. David Sampson, Pat Kerwin, Alejandro Solana. Go to floridasportsnetwork.com. Download what you missed. Since we're back at this bonus hour, we're going to rinse, wash, repeat, right? It's, you know, it's apparently with it, what the people want. In that case, time now for... It's time for someone to take back this segment, if for no other reason than to stop David from talking about Meghan and Harry. Here's Mark Miller with Today Was the Day When. Today in 1893, Vanderbilt University claims it participated in the first organized intercollegiate basketball game at the Nashville YMCA. Vanderbilt beats the Y 9-3. 1940, Walt Disney's second feature-length movie, Pinocchio, premieres. 1974, in a movie that could never be made today. Mel Brooks, western spoof film, Blazing Saddles, premieres at the Pickwick Drive-In in Burbank, California. Patrons watch from horseback rather than cars. May have to watch it. Can you imagine the drive-through with people watching the movie on horseback? Well, first off, for a generation of listeners right now, including Felipe, imagine the drive-through. Right. Drive we had in. theaters, drive-in movie theaters. You drove your car into the movie theater. You put a little speaker that you hooked up next to your window. That's how you listen to the movie. You know what a drive-in movie theater is? I, really? Hey. I, hey there hasn't been one in your lifetime, basically. So? I've been to, like, a, 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 a wannabe made-up one, but not, like, a legitimate one, no. 1976, Daryl Sittler sent an NHL record with 10 points. In the Leafs' win over Boston, he would have six goals and four assists. Pretty good night. Even Gretzky that, goes, that's a pretty good night. Exactly. Today in 1980, Pink Floyd premiered the live version of The Wall at the L.A. Sports Arena. In 95, Shania Twain released her second album, The Woman in Me, that would win Billboard Album of the Year. I only bring that up because she was at the Grammys and had dyed her hair completely red, and I don't know what the hell happened to her. I don't either, but fortunately for her, Madonna showed up. You know what? It's a dadgum good point. So this way, nobody was talking about Shania Twain, who is a stunning woman. All right. Not so sure as a redhead, but but Madonna. I mean, that's where you need somebody close to you to go. Listen, you already got like the Lifetime Grammy Award and what have you. You don't have to give anything away. You just sit this one out. Heal up from the surgery. You've had surgery, right? There is an explanation why your face looks like a blocked punt. Well said. The Nagano Games opened today in 1998. Today in 2010, that Super Bowl that we were talking about earlier. New Orleans beating the Colts 31-17. Drew Brees, your MVP. The onside kick to start the second half in Miami. 2014, the Sochi Games opened today. 2016, the Broncos would beat Carolina 24-10 in Super Bowl 50. And it was just two years ago at Ray J that the Bucks 
would dominate the Chiefs 31-9, Brady's seventh Super Bowl win. Those born today that are no longer with us, John Deere, big in tractors. Charles Dickens, big at Christmas. Laura Ingalls Wilder, big on the prairie. Dan Quisenberry, big on the hill. Those celebrating birthdays today, Garth Brooks is 61, Chris Rock is 57, Steve Nash is 49, Aston Kushner 45, Matthew Stafford is 35, and Steven Stamkos is 33. And he's pissed off because they got whooped last night. Well, he's been around a long time to only be 33. Seriously. I mean, I think Stammer get to 700. I know he'll get to six. I think he plays long enough to get to six. You know, three finishes out this year, probably gets close to around 510-ish. 330s, gets him to 600. Yeah, Boy, that's pushing it. Hmm. No way 700. 600's pushing it. That's it's 600. It's a line of demarcation. Get the 500, get to 600. Same with home runs. So. Well, and that's today was the day when. I got two things. Okay. Uh, we've been living with it now for 61 years. The U.S.-Cuba embargo it was today in 62 that went into effect. They say economically it costs us $5 billion a year. And um, the Beatles arrived in New York City on this date in 1964. I don't know how Beatle I missed Mania. that. Beatlemania was underway. The British invasion. 190 years after the revolution. The good one. Right. The Fab Four. The original. You've heard folks elsewhere mock, Florida is gonna Florida. Well, Mark Miller sees it differently. He calls it the good, the bad, and the ugly. What you got, Mark? For the good, we go to Naples. For 22 years, Thomas Dukes has spent four hours a day riding a bus from his home in Immokalee to NCH's North Naples Hospital. But Monday afternoon was a little different. One of Thomas's colleagues noticed his commute started an online fundraiser to buy him a car. In just a few days, 314 people helped raise more than $16,000. And when Thomas left work on Monday, workers were gathered around the main entrance cheering him on as they handed him the keys to his new automobile. They also gave him a check for three grand to cover insurance and gas. Great story. Love seeing those stories. For the bad, we go to Atlanta, where Michael Dixon was sneaking stuff into jail. You know, a lot of the usual stuff. Narcotics, tobacco, cell phones. Also uh, also bringing chicken wings in. They found a white bag when he had stepped outside of the facility. The bag contained cigarettes, lighters, marijuana, ear pods, hex keys, glue gel, sweats, jewelry, changing cords, and, of course, cooked chicken wings. For the ugly, we go to Dallas, where Davon Irving has been charged with burglary. He broke into the Naples Zoo, or the Naples Zoo, broke into the Dallas Zoo. And tried to take two monkeys. He Are also tried to cut to the enclosure. Steal my monkey. 
He was arrested on six counts of animal cruelty. He didn't get the monkeys. They went missing after getting a tip. They, uh, he, I, he did get the monkeys. He tried to release a leopard as well. All the animals have been found. They are safe. And he is in jail. Would you like to pet my monkey? No? Too soon? Absolutely. And that, David, is the good, the bad, and the ugly on today, February the 7th, 2023. Got a lot going on today. It More is. than you think. I have I have major decisions with my watching tonight. I mean, right off the bat, David, great college hoop night tonight. Rutgers and Indiana, both ranked. Marquette and Connecticut, both ranked. Both games are at 630. That's right. Rutgers, Indiana, by the way. Big Ten Network at 630. What is that, the second and third best teams in the Big Ten? David, after Purdue, it's jambalaya in that conference. I, you're right, but boy, oh, boy. Well, I mean, Tom Mizzo said they're the second and third best teams in the Big Ten. Of course, he says nice things about every team except Michigan State. That happens to be the team he coaches, if you don't know. But four matchups involving ranked teams tonight in college basketball. Two at 6.30, two at 9 o'clock. Once again, if you're only going to watch one college basketball game, make it a Big 12 game, TCU's at Kansas State. It's on ESPNU at 9. It's the Big 12. It'll be good. NC State and Virginia, the other game featuring two ranked teams tonight at 9 o'clock. Virginia, seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Orlando's hosting the Knicks. It's been a big three days at Amway Arena. Springsteen on Sunday, Raw last night, and with the Knicks coming to town, that place will be packed. Orlando's been playing much better of late, and the Knicks are terrific away from the Garden. Knicks are just a a one-and-a-half-point favorite, by the way. I know. I know. Let me get this straight. So the Knicks have beaten the top four teams in the East in the last two weeks. They're only a point and a half favorite in Orlando. It just doesn't add up to me, does it? I mean, well, but Orlando's been playing better. But my, you know, my point is, listen, the the Knicks are better. They should win. It's only a point and a half. I think I would lay the point and a half. Uh, TNT double dip. Phoenix at Brooklyn. By the way, the report is Phoenix offered Chris Paul to Brooklyn in a Kyrie trade. It was Chris Paul, somebody else, and a first-rounder. Huh. Like, somebody posted the three trades that were proposed. Dallas's trade, Phoenix's trade, and the Lakers' proposed trade, which was Westbrook and the... 27 and 29 unprotected first round picks that the Lakers still own. And then it was the Chris Paul trade. Chris Paul, I forget who the other player on the Suns was and a first rounder. And then the one they accepted from Dallas. And I have to admit, I looked at the deals. I thought the Dallas one was the worst deal. But what do I know? Phoenix at Brooklyn, OKC at the Lakers, 7.30 and 10 o'clock. So about 10-10 or so, they'll tip in L.A. LeBron needs 36 to pass Kareem, who will be in the house to be the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Sharks at the Lightning tonight. Tampa coming off of that 7-1 loss. They are a mere minus 245 in their game against San Jose tonight. And Moulton and I would both lay it. Absolutely. That was a pitiful performance from the Lightning last night, and Cooper's going to let him know. I I don't even know if he has it. You may be right. I think Stamkos and Hedman may just let them know, and they'll take it out on San Jose. Uh, one, If you want to watch a good hockey game tonight, Colorado's in Pittsburgh. 
two teams who right now are the final playoff teams in their respective conferences. How about that? And Connor McDavid's on the East Coast playing the Red Wings, where he should be able to light them up for, you know, two goals, three assists. So there we go. That's the night in sports. Not bad, all things considered. No, one good hockey game, a couple of good hoop games, some really good college basketball. Yeah. But no Minnesota, Illinois tonight because the Gophers have COVID and the game's been postponed. I'm not getting political here. I'm actually surprised that someone's still testing. I'm wondering, I would love to know, and I'm serious, if I was covering the team or if I was a fan, I would like to know, are they testing regularly or did enough people or in around the program get sick that they said, hmm, something's going on, maybe we should test? I mean, because let's face it, there aren't a lot of places that are doing COVID testing anymore. No, they're they're running a few commercials for it. Right, but not seeing and hearing a lot of it now granted you travel to different parts of the country okay they you know they still have it and they have it in place till may 1st in certain places but i i'm just curious especially on a college campus that costs money by the way it's just in athletic departments really don't like to spend money Except on waterfalls for recruits. I was going to say, you know. anything for the football facilities they'll spend. Right. right. Mm-hmm. You know, headphones in the locker, that's what they'll spend money on. You know, but <clears throat> Testing, not so much. They don't even want their players to take tests, period. They'd rather have someone <laughs> else take them for them. Ah. <laughs> uh. Hey, listen, I don't know what network was supposed to run Minnesota, Illinois tonight, but could you run Blazing Saddles on the forty <laughs> on the 49th anniversary of its release? Felipe, have you ever seen Blazing Saddles? I have no idea what that is. Oh, my goodness. It's a movie that offends everyone. Yes. It's a comedy really? that sets out to basically break all rules about prejudiced and stereotypes and attack them head on. And it's not like a spoof. It's just oh. an original. It's an original movie. It's a it's a spoof of westerns. Is oh, what okay. It is. Okay. Yes. The first fifteen minutes, you don't even have to go any further. But if you do the first fifteen minutes, you'll want to go further. But your mouth will be on the floor. You will have to physically pick it up. I, I would I would say for someone of your age to hear what they say. And how they use language in that movie, I think you will walk in, after you see it, you will walk in the next morning looking at me with your mouth agape going, how did they do that? What year? 74. One more time, what's it called? Blazing Saddles. Okay, Blazing Saddles. I'm going to have to watch that. Me too. And just... You have to watch the first 15 minutes. You cannot turn away. You've never seen anything like it, and we never will again. Miller and Moulton, back tomorrow.